0: Well, let's look at Acts chapter 11. If you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Acts verse by verse. And we'll pick it up in verse 27. Acts eleven twenty-seven. And in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his own ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they did also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the Days of Unleavened Bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Father, we thank you for all you're doing in our midst this morning. And Lord, we're not trying to be busy just to be busy. These are very important things. Israel is the apple of your eye. We don't know where America is going to be, but we know where Israel is going to be in the last days. You have a remnant on this earth called the church that you are taking care of. And there will always be a remnant of Israelis that you'll be taking care of. You're going to bring them through the tribulation. So, Father, the word is real. It's alive. It's active, as we're going to see this morning. We pray as believers for anyone in our midst this morning. If they do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, Father, we pray that they would soften their hearts. That they would hear how much you love them and care for them. And you desire a relationship with them. You're not mad at them. You're not frustrated with them. You sent your son to die for them. You want, you desire a personal relationship with them. But they have free will. And so, Lord, we pray for their will. That they would be humble. That they would acknowledge, as most of us have in this room, that, that we are a sinner in need of a savior that we can't get to heaven on our own. It's impossible. But through your Son, through the free gift of salvation, we could spend eternity with you, and most of us are going to in this room. So Father, we thank you for that precious, that living hope. I pray for the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, and we're seeing here that the church is doing really well spiritually, but we see something special taking place this morning physically. physically. The saints in Antioch were willing to share in a future hardship, in a future hardship with the saints in the southern area of Israel known as Judea. You see, this is Christianity in action, Christianity in action. Um, It might be easy to say you're a Christian, but are you an active Christian? Are you actively involved in your Christian faith? Uh, Do you read the word? Do you listen to the word? Do you have a a prayer life? Because Christian is not just Christian in term, in a name. It's a lifestyle. It should be a lifestyle transformation. And so when you say that we're Christians... We're not joining a church, per se, Calvary Chapel. Oh, I go to Calvary Chapel. I'm a Christian. No, what we're saying is I'm a Christ follower, and I am willing to die for Jesus. Not like Islam, blowing ourselves up. That's not Christianity. Never has been and never will be. But I'm willing to die in humility, to take a stand that God loves everyone, and that God sent his son to die for everyone. And no, we don't kill people as Christians. No, that's not Christianity. That's not the scriptures. But we are willing to die for the cross and to die for a testimony. Even as we see this morning, James willingly died for Jesus. It's very interesting as we look at this this morning. As we look at verses 27 and 28. And in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them, so notice prophets, plural, so one of them, named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit. Notice that's capital S. Now, if you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to grab a Bible. There's Bibles on the chairs in front of you. It's very, very important. The Bible is real. It's applicable. It's practical. That's the Holy Spirit. When you see capital S there, that's the Holy Spirit, the tri-unity of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And as a believer, God the Holy Spirit literally dwells within you, And the Spirit will move in you and give you a sense of maybe, I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to talk to that person, I need to pray for so-and-so. You might just be going about business, going about your life, and all of a sudden, something just starts to press upon you. And maybe you're young in the faith, and you're kind of wondering, what is that? That could possibly be the Holy Spirit guiding you, directing you to, to, to stop what you're doing, maybe momentarily. Not driving on the freeway, obviously. But, you know, stop with your... Pray with your eyes open. Have any of you ever done that? Have any of you ever prayed with your eyes open? Try it. It's it's amazing. It works. It feels awkward, but God's listening. Don't pray driving with your eyes closed. I had a friend that did that every now and then. It drove me crazy. Jerry, open your eyes. Stop it. Yeah, he just did it just to give me a hard time. But pray. That's the Holy Spirit. And so here the Holy Spirit is stirring one of these prophets to speak up. That there is going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. So this is very important as we look at prophets. Then the disciples, each according to his ability... And I actually have this highlighted in my Bible. I encourage you to highlight your Bible. Your Bible should be your best friend. Make notes in it, highlight it. Then the disciples, each according to his ability... Determined to send relief. Notice that. Each according to his ability. We all have an ability. And so here this morning, we're looking at a financial gift. So your ability might be just talking general terms. This is not a beg for money. Now, that nonsense. Don't, Don't even go down that road if you haven't been visiting. If you're here long enough, you know we don't go down that road. But this is a teaching of the Bible. So your ability right now in your life might be $5. That's your ability. And the enemy will whisper into your ear, well, what's $5? It's your heart. And if your heart is saying $5 is what I can give and that's God, that's what God's mo- impressing upon my life to give, then you give it. It's a relationship between you and God. Maybe it's 500, maybe it's 5,000, maybe it's 50,000. We all have an ability. Are we praying about that ability? Because as we pray about that ability and then the Holy Spirit stirs us and moves in our heart, that then can have an impact on missionaries like George and Rivka. Okay? They're in Israel. They're ministering to Jews that don't know Jesus. They love the Jews. They love the Hasidic Jews. They love the Jews that spit on them, that give them a hard time, that harass them because they live in a neighborhood where that actually takes place. So they are persecuted for their Christian faith. Most of us in this room are not. This is reality. So as we take, as you give of your funds, the church, as you've prayed about it and we've prayed about it, we take 20% off the top and we give it to missions. Missions. So some of your funds are going to these various missionaries. You're planting, you're sowing, as the scriptures teach us to do. You're storing up treasure in heaven. Jesus said that, guys, not me. Jesus said, store up treasure in heaven. And it's not all about money. But in context, we're talking about money this morning. Money is very, very minor, really, in the big scope of Christianity. But just we just go through the Bible, and that's why I go verse by verse, to teach every verse. And so what is your ability You pray about that. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. So in these verses here, what we're going to zero in on is we're going to zero on not money, but actually prophecy. Here we see a form of the gift of prophecy. The Holy Spirit inspired Agabus to proclaim a fact that had not yet taken place. A fact that had yet not taken place, or foretelling, F-O-R-E, foretelling, foretelling of the future. Now, in order to test a prophet, the prophecy would need to take place. If it didn't take place, then he would be considered a false prophet. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 18. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 18. Because there are denominations that have what they call prophets. And they will proclaim something. And then all of a sudden it changes the direction of the church. They're no longer prophets as you look in the scriptures according to the scriptures in the roles that these churches have placed these supposable prophets. You'll see what I mean as we get going here. Deuteronomy eighteen twenty, But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak. Notice that. Or who speaks in the name of other gods. Notice that a little g. That prophet shall die. Hello. Well, be careful if you call yourself a prophet. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? Here's the answer. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. So to be a prophet in the Old Testament was not a light occupation. You had to be 100% correct. Not like Notre Dame, who they say is 50% correct. If you even stretch his prophecies, he might be 50% correct. According to the Bible, you have to be 100% correct. If you are not... If you're nine out of ten, well that's pretty good, ninety percent. If you're ninety-nine out of a hundred, well that's pretty good. I mean I'm one 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 percent off. According to the Bible, you're a false prophet. You're worthy of death. So prophecy could still happen today, but is predominantly known as forth-telling, forth telling, F O R T H. Forth telling the word of God. Well, do I have some references to back that up? Well, let's look at first Corinthians 14. Turn there quickly, we've got quite a few verses. Uh, but Rifka is going to come and share at the end of the service here in song. She's got a beautiful voice. They're touring. They're promoting Jesus. But they also have to live. And so they do have some things that they would like if you are interested in purchasing to help support their ministry. Um, they brought them as well. 1 Corinthians fifteen one: Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Notice this. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And if you've been in the Bible at all, the church in Corinth was pretty messed up. But yet they did have a desire to seek after God. And so again, a question for you individually as a believer, do you have a desire to seek after God? If not, I'm just going to ask you a simple question. Why not? What are you doing? Playing church? You don't get points. Seek after spiritual gifts. Even though the church was messed up, these believers loved God. And they were trying. They were trying to work out of their mess ups. But especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So in in Corinthians here, 14, he really gets into the whole idea of speaking in tongues. And a lot of churches make a big deal about speaking in tongues. Matter of fact, there are some churches under the banner of Christianity, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. Really? Okay. Uh, There's other churches under the banner of Christianity, if you speak in tongues, that's of the devil, you're not saved. Oh, okay. So even in Christianity, it's pretty messed up. Why don't we just do what the Bible says? Ask for the gift, if God gives it to you, fine, if not, fine. And as you read it and study the gift of tongues, it's really, well, let's just keep reading it. For he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Notice that. So prophecy now is supposed to do what? Thus saith the Lord, God's going to torture you. Wow, that's edifying. Thanks for that. No, prophecy speaks to edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. This is the only gift, by the way, that is for self-edification. All the other spiritual gifts are for the church as a whole. And each one of you believers, you have a spiritual gift. If you don't know what it is, you need to find out what it is. And if you're not using it, you need to be using it. That's the word of God. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. And again, the word edify here is architecture, as you go back into the Greek. It's architecture, which means what? Building up. Building up. You're building up the church. You're encouraging. You're strengthening. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets, the one who's speaking in tongues then that the church may receive edification. So again, notice it's edification. It's edification. It's all about edification. Skip down to verse 22. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. For prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Notice that. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers... And we actually have a believer's night here, usually quarterly, where on Wednesday night we invite the whole church, but we say it's for believers. If you're not a believer, you, 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 you shouldn't come. You'll see why in a couple verses. But we actually practice the gifts. Because we should practice the gifts, but we do it in a setting that's appropriate, not on a Sunday morning. It's not appropriate on a Sunday morning. And so here we see, as we continue on, therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? What does that say? Will they not say you're crazy? I have the gift of tongues. I do not have the gift of interpretation. I have no idea what I'm saying. I received it back in the 70s, late 70s. It doesn't matter to me. I'm speaking to God and it's the only gift for self-edification. And I use it during a service, I'll use it during music, I'll use it driving down the road, I'll use it wherever. When the enemy's pressing in against me, speak in tongues. Now if you speak in tongues over and above everybody else, then the meeting stops, and we wait for interpretation according to 1 Corinthians. If there's no interpretation, then there's no more speaking in tongues above everyone else, but you can still speak in tongues. So I've talked with people over the years who said, well, I used to speak in tongues, but I don't anymore. Uh, And I just ask, why? And why? I don't know. You see, the enemy will bring in fear and intimidation, and, well, I don't know what I'm saying, and this, that, and the other. You know what? Jesus said, unless you have the faith of a child, not childish faith, childlike faith. And I have childlike faith. If God says to do it, I'm going to do it. And I'm not doing it for you. I'm not doing it for show because I don't do it out loud. I do what the scriptures say. I do it at a low tone where you can't hear me. So if you don't want to use your gift to get edified, that's between you and God. I need evocation. I need strength. I need to be encouraged. I need to fight those spiritual battles. And so you have a gift and you're not using it. You've got to ask yourself, why? Why am I not using it? But if if an unbeliever comes into your midst, they're going to think you're crazy. But notice here, but if all prophesy, notice that, if all prophesy and the unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all. So it's not like one person, I'm a prophet in your midst, call me prophet Jim instead of pastor Jim. And I have the gift of prophecy. And I'm the only one in the church that can prophesy. No. Yet there are certain denominations and certain churches that have prophets. And it is their role. And they're the only ones that are supposed to be able to do that. So guys, as you just see, as you read the scriptures, it makes perfect sense. Anyone can prophesy. Anyone can prophesy. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so, falling down on his face... He will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Skip down to verse 29. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one. Notice that. You can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and that all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. We're tying this into prophecy because this can be confusing. What does it mean to be a prophet? Now again, I'm not saying that there's not prophecy taking place in the new, in the church today. It can happen on occasion, but predominantly, predominantly, I believe prophecy is speaking forth the Word of God. When you're in discipling someone one-on-one, if you're at breakfast or lunch, and all of a sudden you start talking about the Word of God and you share something, and all of a sudden, And you see the facial expressions of that person change. You see their body language change either joyfully or like, I'm feeling convicted. Was it you or the word of God that just did the work? It was the word of God. You were prophesying. You weren't saying, thus says the Lord. You are a pagan and you're going to hell. Repent. That's really edifying, especially if they're a brother in the Lord. They're not a pagan. They're not going to hell. So we gotta get our, we gotta reprogram our brains, because we got this weird stuff in there about prophets. No, it's the Word of God. How do I know that? Well, Hebrews 412 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. And of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Let me ask you a question. Have any of you been convicted of the Holy Spirit by reading the Word of God? Raise your hand if you have, because there might be an unbeliever in our midst, and they need to see that this is real, guys. This is real. We're not playing a show here. Even by raising your hand, it's not a show. It's just real. It's part of your testimony. So if it does happen, why are we not doing it on a regular basis? Why are we not involved? Why are we not maybe getting more involved? How about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you're turning there, I'm going to read it again. For the word of God is living and powerful. The world is trying to tell you that it's outdated. This is 2020. Marriage is in between just one male and one female. Get with the program. You Christians are behind. It's okay to live together and have sex outside of marriage. What's the matter with you Christians? You're prudes. This is 2020. It's okay to smoke marijuana. What's the matter? Would you Christians get into 2020? That Bible? Don't tell them. Don't tell me the Bible. It's archaic. The Bible is going to come to pass. First Thessalonians 5:19. Do not quench the Spirit. Notice that the Holy Spirit. In other words, if the Holy Spirit is encouraging you to do something. Don't say no. That would be quenching the Holy Spirit. Don't say no. If you're an unbeliever here this morning, and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, and right now you're being convicted, not by me, but by the Word of God, and that God loves you, and you have that sense, don't say no to salvation. That's quenching the Spirit. You want to say, yes, I want to get saved. I want more of the Holy Spirit. I want to know God. But there's an enemy There's an enemy of your soul who's whispering in your ear right now. No, you don't. This is a joke. This is just a joke. Don't believe it. Don't listen to it. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. So in other words, don't despise the Bible. Test all things. So in other words, when somebody comes to me and they give me a verse, I'm to test that verse with other verses. To make sure that it's from Genesis to Revelation, that it's not taking out of context. But that I can actually bring it all together and see it woven in the scriptures. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. How can I abstain from every form of evil unless I'm in the word of God and I know what evil really is anyways? I have to know what evil is. You see, our our society... Their standard is whatever you think is right, you do. That's their standard. Oh, that's your truth. Don't push your truth on me. There's no such thing as absolute truth, and they absolutely are sure of that. But there's no such thing as absolutes. I find that very interesting. No, there are absolutes, guys, and it's called the Bible. And you might not like it, I might not like it, but it's absolutely true. So I need to be in the Bible so that I can know, no, this is not acceptable. No, this is not right. Abortion is not right. Killing 58 million babies is not right. But that's not an acceptable thing to say in society. Then all of a sudden you become the bad person. You're frowned upon. You're looked down upon. You're you're a bigot. You're, You're promoting hate. No, not at all. Just promoting the truth. As we look back into Acts 11, 29 and 30. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. And I just find this very interesting because if you think about this, here we see that these believers taking up an offering for others, even though they themselves, think about this, even though they themselves were going to go through this same period of drought or famine. He's prophesying about the whole area. The whole known world at that time is going to have this famine and drought. Yet the believers here, they're going to have the same need, but out of their abundance, they take and they give to other brethren. You see, uh, Acts twenty thirty five. we have this slide. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this, Paul worked with his hands, that you must support the weak. And remember the words of our Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And as you look back in history, this famine appears to take place in 46 to 47 AD. So we can say now in hindsight, prophecy fulfilled, prophecy fulfilled. Chapter 12. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Now the ancestry of the Herod family can be very confusing. And the rest of it is just going to be kind of a history lesson this morning. I'm going to touch on just a few facts of the family. For clarification purposes, the Herod before us this morning is Herod Agrippa I. He reigned in 37 to 44 A.D. And he was the grandson of Herod the Great. Herod the Great ruled between 37 and 4 B.C. and was a friend of Rome as well as a famous builder. The only reason why the Jews, the religious Jews, had any like for him was the fact that he started building the temple in Jerusalem in 19 B.C. 19 B.C. He died in 1 A.D. and was the Herod who had the children under two killed at Bethlehem. You'll remember just a month ago as we talked about Christmas. The wise men came from the east. They came to Jerusalem to worship a newborn king found in Matthew chapter 2, 1-17. through 17. You see, he was afraid of losing his kingdom to what? To a prophecy. To a prophecy found in the Old Testament. Yet it took hundreds of years for that prophecy to be fulfilled. But it was a prophecy, and it actually came to pass. You see, those who have done an in-depth study of prophecy tell us that 26%, roughly 26% of the Bible is prophetic. And some of those prophecies have not yet been fulfilled. And this is another reason why I believe prophecy is forth or warning others about what has already been foretold. It's kind of interesting. I believe it's 97% of all financial transactions in America are what? Electronic. One world government, one world monetary system, one world religion foretold 2,000 years ago. People have scoffed at it for 2,000 years. They could flip a switch today. The government could say, like other governments have said with fake money, you have until January 30th to turn in all your cash. We're doing away with all the cash we have in our society. We're going to issue new cash. And that's how countries have done away with the laundered money. And so anyone that comes and bring where did you get a million dollars from? Now questions start to arise. You got a million dollars in cash. Where did you get this million dollars from? All of a sudden, all that fake money is gone. And now they, Put the new money into circulation. Guys, today they could flip a switch and tell you, you turn in all your cash by such and such a date because after that date, we're done with cash. And you might be sitting there thinking that can never happen. 97% of all transactions are done electronically. It could happen today. Prophecy, yet to be fulfilled, but it will be fulfilled. Don't mock the Bible. It is going to happen. So for you and me, we have to be what? Prepared as a bride. Jesus is coming back for a bride who is watching and waiting for his return. There's also Herod Antipas, who was a tetriarch of Galilee and Judea between 4 BC and 39 AD. Herod Antipas was the nephew of Herod the Great. They all go back to Herod. It's called the Herodian dynasty. And he was the Herod who had John the Baptist beheaded during the ministry of our Lord. Herod Antipas was also the one whom Jesus called a cunning and crafty creature by calling him a fox in Luke 13 and before whom Jesus stood during his final earthly hours. Later on in Acts, we will see Paul stand before Herod Agrippa II, who ruled over the northern territory of Israel between 50 and 70 AD. So when you read the name of Herod in the Bible, it's not just one person, but various relatives who ruled over parts of Israel during various times and again are commonly referred to as a part of the Herodian dynasty. So in our text, Herod Agrippa I, who reigned between 37 and 44 A.D., really wanted the religious Jews to like him. So he had James, the brother of John, the sons of Zebedee, arrested and executed. This really pleased the religious Jews. Herod took note of that. And so he decided to arrest Peter as well to give him the same fate. You see, he would have known that Peter was the leader within this new religious sect called Christianity. So he had Peter arrested. And after Passover or unleavened bread, the feast had taken place, would have had him killed because the festivities, it's not a good time. It could have caused an uproar. So Herod had Peter guarded by four groups of soldiers who were made up of four men each. This would allow two soldiers to be chained to Peter and we'll go into this further next week, and two soldiers would be standing guard outside the door. These group of soldiers would then rotate after a six-hour shift. This took place for several days until there was an appropriate time determined to bring Peter to trial and pronounce him to death. King Agrippa I thought that he had a great plan, but God had a different plan instead. Verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison, by but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Notice that. Peter was in praying and the church was praying for his safety. Was the church not praying for the safety of James? James was executed. He was right there with Peter. Was the church not praying? I think they were. But God has a plan for each one of our lives and there is a peace that comes with releasing our lives into his hands. This is so detrimental. You see, the Apostle James was ready and willing to be sacrificed for the name of Jesus. It was his desire to do the will of the Father. Now it was his time to go home to heaven. And we might look at his life as being cut short. So oftentimes we'll say, well, oh, they were cut short. But God sees it as being perfectly timed. No person leaves this earth a second early or a second late as far as God's knowledge or timing is concerned. I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. You may want to memorize this. Psalm 139, verse 16. You saw me before I was born. This is David writing. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. What did Jesus say? Didn't Jesus say that my father knows the number of hairs on your head? Do you care about the numbers of hairs on your head? Most of us don't. You get over it sooner or later. But God knows the number of hairs on your head. That's called intimacy. That's called intimacy. God wants an intimate relationship with you and me. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Psalm 139. So when you're going through a struggle or someone passes in your life and you think, oh, they were so young, or, oh, I'm going to miss them, or why did God do this, or why did God do that, or it's not fair, it's this out of the other thing, read the Bible, guys. Everybody's getting out of here right on time. The circumstances may be grieving. They They may be disheartening. But God has a plan and a purpose behind everything. Plan and a purpose. So the Apostle James, the brother of John, is off the earth and rejoicing in heaven. And maybe it's Peter's turn to leave this earth. But the church is earnestly praying for Peter for a spiritual battle is taking place. And we as individuals, as well as a church, should be involved in that spiritual battle. 1 Peter 4.7 says this. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Guys, that's for you and me. That's for you and me. Iran is going to get nuclear weapons. That is their goal. Now, are they going to achieve it? I don't know. But a lot of politics are going on. And Iran has never shaded the truth. They've always said the truth. We want to wipe out the great Satan. Does anybody know who the great Satan is? America. They have said this over and over again, out in public, unashamed, We want to annihilate the great Satan, and we want to annihilate the little Satan. Do you know who the little Satan is? Israel. They have said that openly. Now, if we would say that, if we would go out and publicly say, I want to, I can't say it because I might get arrested, but if you make a threat, and it's a high-level threat, the FBI will be knocking on your door arresting you, confiscating your computer, your phone, and doing a thorough investigation over a high-level threat. But here you have a nation threatening two other nations, and politicians are just like, oh, they're nice people. It'll be okay. They don't mean it. Until a nuke goes off, and then it'll be, "Uh uh-oh, we were wrong. Guys, the Bible is accurate. We need to be watchful. Romans 12, 2, we'll wrap it up with this as Batarivka comes forward. Romans 12, 12. Rejoicing in hope, patience in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. So the believers were busy praying for Peter. And we're going to see that God is going to answer that next week. But I greatly encourage you, be in prayer. And we want to give her the long mic, right? Be in prayer. We have a Saturday morning prayer. I think this is it. You want the short one? Oh, it doesn't matter. Okay. We have a Saturday morning prayer from 8.30 to 9.30. You see, the church was praying. I hope it doesn't take me getting arrested for you all to show up on a Saturday morning. But if it does, that'd be fine with me. I encourage you to be in prayer, for we are in desperate days. Christianity is being attacked. People are being martyred in other countries for the name of Jesus. People are being ridiculed and mocked because of the name of Jesus. And it's come. it has come to America, not full bore, but it's going to. Because you're unique. You're willing to take a stand for a truth. At least I hope you are. You're willing to take a stand for truth that marriage is between one man, one woman, that we don't condone sex outside of marriage, that we don't buy into medicinal marijuana because I can't deal with reality instead of reading my Bible and dealing with reality, or prescription drugs, or pornography, or gambling, or whatever it is, the you know, whatever sin. Guys, we gotta get right with God. We only have so many days. Only so many days.
1: Well, we're going to run to the Lord. And uh, this comes straight from Psalm 91. And after that message, I think we all need to run to the Lord. Amen. Yeah, Can you turn the track
2: up? Oh, yeah.
1: Right now, we praise you and thank you, God. B'shem Yeshua HaMashiach. In the name of Jesus, our Messiah. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. If anyone needs prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. Have a blessed day, guys. Feel free.